Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 444, that's a triple four, my friends, of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Stephanie Catherine Grant. Boy, what a delightful human being. I have been feeling so inspired by our guests lately. I mean, listen, I always do, but um, I don't know. I just love this conversation with Stephanie. I know you will, too. I'm so impressed by her and delighted by her and inspired, and I know you'll enjoy this conversation. I also... Just want to remind people that if they would like to check out the Avatar The Last Airbender podcast I've been doing with Dante Bosco, the voice of Prince Zuko. Of course, the podcast is called Braving the Elements. We have released, oh boy, I want to say 24 episodes at this point. And it has been such a wonderful ride with just amazing roster of podcast guests. That's what we call them. Please check that out and share with your friends. Voyage to the Stars still going strong. Season 3 airing as well. Also doing Sketchfest. It's happening. Sketchfest lineup will be announced very soon with, as usual, many, many, many past JV Club guests. I will not be doing a live version of the podcast this year. I just have too much to think about with our first returning festival back after, not to say COVID's over, but after the shutdown. So, but, you know, again, just tons of guests that you will recognize from the podcast um, and uh, will certainly be there for many, many shows. Would love to see some of your beautiful, safe, masked faces in person. So lots to check out. Enjoy this episode with Stephanie. How are you? It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's my pleasure. And I, you know, just reading a little bit more about you um, and kind of what you've been up to and your filmmaking ambitions and successes and all of that, uh, I just was so impressed because, you know, I think it's easy as a young actor who's had success in Hollywood uh, from a sort of early age to kind of just sit with that or sit on that comfortably um and it's so cool that you have you know always had this interest to grow your skills and 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 contribute to it in a different way not that there's anything wrong with just you know being an actor that's fantastic but uh as a person as a multi-hyphenate myself who likes being behind the scenes on stuff um I really you know I that I responded very positively to that when I was (laughs) like oh my gosh look at her she's kicking ass oh thank you um yeah I've always you know I've always loved film and, and filmmaking and um I've always you know felt that I you know, maybe had talents that I could offer more just outside of being in front of the camera. And uh, I've always, you know, loved writing and and stories and just storytelling in general. Um, And so it really came out of just my love of film and, you know, probably watching movies that I was honestly way too young to be watching, (laughs) but um, (laughs) enjoying it anyway. And (laughs) You know, I have to ask you, like, what, if you had to, like, is there a go-to or because I definitely have somewhere I knew I was too young but I also feel like yeah they're all horror movies uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> if there are ones that were like I feel like I saw Dangerous Liaisons really young oh, which is like okay. John Malkovich Glenn Close Michelle right. Pfeiffer like kind of a sexy but what about you um I'd say for me it's more I'm just I was never a horror person and I'm still not a horror person I I can't do it um so I'd say for me it was more like psychological thrillers the one that really comes into mind that I think I've talked about before with people is Shutter Island. Uh-huh. Because, I've seen that once film. and I don't remember understanding it. So I've already, <laughs> again, you have eclipsed me in intellect because no. I feel like I watched it and I was like, I, I might have missed something. <laughs> I don't think I fully understood it when I was, I think, 12 or 13. I watched it. I, um, you know, my mom and brother were going out to an event and she's like, okay, you know, you're here by yourself, you know, basically don't do anything really dumb. And of course I said, okay, sure. And of course the second they walk out the door, I turn on the TV. I'm like, what can I watch? And then I see Shutter Island. I'm like, ooh, that looks cool. I'd seen some billboards. And so I start watching it. And I'm like, this is a really cool film. Like he's this detective. And then it starts getting creepy. Or at least creepy for me at 13. There's um, that old woman character that he keeps seeing. And it's all these flashbacks. And um, it just, it that really like creeped me Uh out. And... (laughs) And and I remember when my mom came home, she's like, oh, you know, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, nothing. And 
Um, and then I just, I kept like seeing this, that old woman character from, from the film, like oh. behind my bedroom door, like in the dark for at least a couple weeks oh, after. Oh so. no. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those movies that I think psychological thrillers, I will say even sometimes more so than horror movies. Cause sometimes like ho- horror movies that are very like straight ahead horror movies, you kind of know what you're getting. Right. And, but a thriller like that when, especially when it's like that one, which what I do right. remember is you start wondering, like, he's wondering if he's crazy. And so yeah. you start, it feels like, almost like if you're if you're sick and you have a fever and you try watching something <laughs> and you're like, you kind of feel like you're floating in and out of yeah. reality. There's some movies that give me that feeling that are often psychological thrillers where I'm like, wait, am I, should I be paranoid? Like, right. what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I and I, and it's not to say I don't, I don't love, I love the film now, but uh, I, I had to take a break for it for at least a couple years until I think yeah. I was immature enough to oh handle gosh. the themes and understand what was going on. And the other one, I'm just remembering now, is Chinatown. Love Chinatown. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Um, also Disturbing. probably not appropriate for a 13-year-old or yeah. 14. I don't know. I was I was young to be watching it. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely... Uh, that movie is... I mean, I, I. it's funny. I don't know if I've seen that movie since maybe I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Um, but I remember it so well, and it is one of those classic films that gets yeah. discussed all the time that, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I might as well have just seen it a couple years ago. Um, right. And it's so iconically Los Angeles, too. It is. I love, I just, now seeing it that I'm, you know, older and having studied it more, I just love the complexity of, of it. Like, every time I... I watched, I'll pick up something new. Like I was watching it, it's maybe been a year, but there's a scene where um, the Jack Nicholson character, Jake, he goes into the Mulray um, like office after he's died. Yeah. And there's on the wall, there's these, um, he had these plaques, but then kind of after now that he goes back in after he's passed away, it's like the plaques are gone, but you just see sort of the area where the sun had bleached around yeah. the plaques. And I'd noticed that, and I'm like, recently, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Just, yeah. just those subtle details. Just, it, it really fills the story. I absolutely, kind of absolutely. I, I'm gonna say this really quickly. I'm hearing a slight, like, whispering sound, and I'm wondering if it's when you're moving the. I know, ne- again, I never know oh, what's okay. gonna like show up in yeah. a recording, but I'm trying to be mindful of that stuff just because. I was like, my, I'll just ignore my, this, and then is I my hair like real like right now. Bothering? I don't hear anything at all. Okay, so that seems like maybe. Well, maybe I'll, I can just do this. Is this better is if I like hold be, it you, closer? That sounds great, Pet. That seems like a pain in the ass. That's okay, to say the least. <laughs> Why don't you hold it like that for a minute or two? See how you do, and okay. if I notice the sound, then I'll be like, you can totally drop your hand because the sound's okay. still happening. So okay. you do not need to worry. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it might be like the cord, like rubbing against yeah. like the laptop or something. If it, okay. if, if I don't it has mind too to... much slack, I don't know. If this is better for you, this is. I have my arm kind of on my knee, so I'm. I'm okay. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll okay. monitor. I'll check in periodically. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? I am originally from Tennessee. I'm from a small town in East Tennessee. Um, I lived there until I was about nine, and then moved to LA. Um, and I've been in LA ever since. So we've been here almost almost twelve years now. Definitely got that. The Tennessee twang. You sure have an accent, she said, shaking her head aggressively. Yeah. Was that something never, that you had at all? You never had it? Never. No. You know, I never... Because, um, I mean, my family's not originally from Tennessee. You know, our culture is Greek. That's mm-hmm. our, like, heritage. And so... Um, I just... Yeah, I never... And people would ask me when I was, you know, growing up there. They're like, you don't have the accent. I just... I never did. My parents don't. None of my family does i just i don't know i guess i never picked it up <laughs> yeah I, mean, I think that's that's true across the board there are definitely people i've met who you know yeah are like you you they're from east new york or you know they're there you think you yeah. everything tells you from everything you've already seen like the expectation for there to be a, an accent and people are like no <laughs> like not like <laughs> in some cases yes in yeah. other cases not at all so it's yeah it definitely and it depends yeah I think it, a lot of it depends on where your family's from and right. where you're what what the sound is that you're growing up around in your own home more so than right. probably any any other form of like input you know right. um but so and did you move to LA 
because of you and doing acting and stuff or did you or did something else lead you guys to LA? Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting story. Um you know, I don't think when we first came to LA we ever intended to be here this long. It was supposed to just be like a 3-month thing. Um and so, you know, growing up my brother and I, Michael, who's 5 years older, we were always kind of very much in the arts. Like I um play the cello, which I still do, not as much as I really would like to, but I still do play the cello, um, you know, ballet, um, like dance writing, like we were very much in the arts. And my brother um, is a classical pianist. And so when he was really young at 11, he was winning like Tennessee state competitions. And oh, wow. so, you know, he was um, training with professors at the University of Cincinnati, like he was at a very high level at that age. And, um, you know, when I was around seven, um, it was the huge Hannah Montana craze. And I just, uh-huh. I think my dad was as obsessed with Hannah Montana as I was, <laughs> if not more. If not more. <laughs> Amazing. There was this school auction once um, where it was Hannah Montana tickets, I think in Greenville or Charlotte. I don't, I don't remember where, uh, but it was kind of nearby. And he, I remember he said, he's like, you know, I went to that auction. He's like, I just kept the paddle up the whole time. He's oh. like, nobody's beating me. I'm getting the tickets. You go, dad. Get yeah. those Hannah Montanas. <laughs> That's amazing. And so we, we went to the concert. And it was really fun. And then I think a couple months later, he found this article of, um, her, her vocal coach, Miley's vocal coach in Nashville. And she was having this big, um, big sort of like symposium event thing. And he's like, oh, you should go, you know, with my mom and I. And because I love to sing, I was, you know, singing locally, just at different karaoke places and, um, you know, different little events like in our, you know, town, I was, I would go sing at like state fairs, that kind of thing. Love it. <laughs> um, and so my mom and I went and um, I didn't realize I was like seven at the time was that it was a uh, basically... Uh, event for artists to go get record deals Hmm. and of course everybody was like at the minimum i don't know like 25 or something like that and so we uh we went and um you know i was gonna go get up on stage and sing part of your world and my mom was just like you know just try and do your best and it's okay we'll go home and and my cd didn't work i think it was a cdrw not a cdr or something like that and so i didn't get to sing so we were gonna leave uh, and then the vocal coach came up to my mom at the end of the night because she was busy with all these artists and, you know, executives and record labels and stuff. And she said that, you know, she wanted to see me in her studio um, and meet me. And so we we drove down to Nashville the next week. And then I started training with her um, almost every week for about two years. And that's kind of what opened the door to L.A. and, um, you know, just talking with my mom and and dad and you know she was saying if you really want to you know have a go at maybe being in this industry you should try LA because Nashville isn't you know so kid friendly I was like eight nine at the time yeah um and my brother had also at the same time gotten referred to a professor at USC for um I think it was music theory or Mm. classical uh, piano at the time and so it kind of worked I guess yeah. during the timing and so you know my parents said okay you know we'll we'll try we'll go for you know maybe three months kind of see what happens um, and then we we showed up in 2009 and we were lucky enough to get an agent pretty quickly and start auditioning and we got into acting classes and then I think pretty quickly I got my first guest spot on Criminal Minds. I got my SAG card, which I was like Ugh. so excited about. Yeah. Um, and then my brother, he got his first guest star on private practice. And and then we just kind of, it just kind of went from there. And then it, it, you know, kind of always was looking for confirmations. Like maybe, you know, should I just hang it up? Should I go back home? You know, what to do? And then kind of at every step of the way, things seem to, you know, continue to open and, and progress. And, um, you know, now I'm 21 and, you know, I hope to continue on, um, you know, continue on with, with my path here. I mean, I don't think you need to be worried about that at all. I think you're absolutely exactly where you, where you should be. Um, what was school like for, like, did, were you working enough that that was, you were being, you were having to do like, um, set school for high school, for example, pretty much. It's, it's really interesting because I, I actually never went to, a brick and mortar school 
after the third grade, which is gotcha. when I, I, I moved from Tennessee. Um, and so I did homeschool programs, like independent study. And then, um, yeah, I would have, you know, the on-set teachers um, whenever I was on-set. But then at home, you know, I, I uh, you know, my mom would make sure I had tutors, you know, especially for difficult subjects. So I don't feel like I missed too much in terms of education, I would say, even though I guess for, for most people, they'd say that's really unusual. But for me, it just seemed kind of normal. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Until I, I graduated and, you know, I was talking with my friends and they're talking about high school and prom and all these things. I'm like, I just, I never thought about that because it was never, I guess, a priority, nothing on my radar the whole time. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes sense. I, I've talked about, I think on the podcast, I have talked a lot about like normal is normal for each one of us. And so right. that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing because we accept behaviors or we accept environments that we know, we don't know not to, right, when we're kids right. and when we're younger. Um, but that it is. It's like normal is whatever's normal to each one of us. <laughs> and those things can be wildly, wildly different from being an army brat and being like, oh, yeah, I went to, you know, 12 different high schools or, right, yeah, you yeah. know, I was homeschooled or I went to a private girls school that was like a sleepaway, you know, it was like a boarding right. school to I just went to like regular old public high school. It's so vastly different. And that is such the unifying thing is that like, for the most part, none of us think that we're doing something unusual until mm. years later when we're sort of we have the perspective and we have people in our lives who go well to me that's pretty rare or, to me that sounds weird or to me that sounds unusual or whatever but also i think like the difference between, and i i can't speak to being homeschooled and not being part of show business nor can i speak to being homeschooled and being part of show business but I do feel like in my experience working with young people who are being quote unquote homeschooled and then are also working on sets, that's it's such a crazy social job. Like it's such a social world yeah, and you're is. being acclimated to people of every age, you know, um, that that's not the same as the kid who is perpetually homeschooled and also maybe doesn't have extracurricular right. stuff going on. I think that's a different experience. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but I think the socialization is like, you know, when you're working, um, you're really like just in the mix, yeah. you know, with so many different types of people. And it seems yeah. like pretty cool, right? Yeah, I, I, I never felt like I missed really a beat. You know, I, I remember I was maybe 10 or 11 and, um, you know, I'd gotten some guest spots in between, you know, my very first job and then Goldberg's. And I remember being on set and, you know, I was always raised very proper, like, you know, Mrs. Mr. And then I would, I would say, you know, Mr. to the director. And he's like, it's okay. Just, you know, call me whatever his first name was, yeah. you know, Ben or Bob or whatever yeah. his name was. And I remember feeling like so awkward. I'm like, I'm, I'm 10, but I'm calling this adult <laughs> person by their yeah. first name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I just, I guess I just got to the point where it felt comfortable. You know, I was in like acting classes with, you know, people who were 40 and 50 years old. And I'm like, oh, you know, hey, Joe, or like, you know, yeah. hey, Martha, or, you know, whatever. And yeah, it just, you know, I just felt kind of, yeah, normal. And, and I don't feel like I, I ever missed a beat as far as, you know, socialization with high school, you know, because I was working on set so much and I was with people also my own age and who were going through the same things that I was going through, like the set school and on set and the long hours um, and also just adults. So I, I feel like I really had a good community of people around me where I never felt isolated or lonely or, you know, all those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm really lucky and and grateful for that too. I love that. I love the the juxtaposition of a young person who's been taught to show respect by saying, you know, Miss Janet, Miss, you know, yeah. Miss Stephanie, <laughs> Mrs. Stephanie, like uh, even with the first name, right? You know, it's not. It's like okay, most formal is Mister and last name. Right. Then like there's the next level of formal, which is like maybe I call my teacher Mister Larry or whatever. Right. And then you get all the way to show business uh, casual right. quality. And people are like, it actually feels very insulting when you call me Mrs. <laughs> like, right, right, right. I've gotten that. It makes people. me feel yeah, very weird. Like, yeah, they're like, oh, that's like my mother. Don't call me that. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You move to a place where everyone, not just young people, we are also used to intermingling with people of various ages and genders right. and backgrounds and ethnicities that 
you know, there's there's no tried and true. Like, I'm so bad at telling how old people are. I've, I've, <laughs> and I think that wouldn't be true if I had a, had a different kind of adulthood. Yeah. But as it is, like, I'm on a set. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, my, I, I will yeah. range someone between like 15 and 35. Like, I'll just be like, it's I don't know. It's true, though. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, I, I've gotten a couple times, you know, similar things like, oh, are you in high school or like, you know, are you married? I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> You're like, can't I be both? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I feel like and, and it, it becomes cultural references almost like touch points that are cultural references where. But also that's not predictable because, you know, you brought up Shutter Island, but you also brought up Chinatown, which it was a right. movie was made far before I was born, too. So yeah. even with cultural references, like, you know, there will be people my age who make a reference to something and they cannot understand why or how I could have missed whatever it is that they're like, you know, this, right. you know. And but then when you're older and you do that and a person is younger and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, then yeah. that is the time in your life when you assign it to like, oh, I'm just old. Got it. Like <laughs> I'm just old. <laughs> but it's still pretty unpredictable. It is. I mean, I, you know, I look at kids much younger than me now, like the seven-year-olds um, that I know now. And, and I grew up with The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody's and the Hannah Montana and all those shows that I still think are really, really good shows. Yeah. And then I couldn't even name you the, the Disney shows that they watch and they're into and like, oh, yeah, Zack and Cody. And they look at me with this blank expression like, I have no <laughs> idea what that is, you weird lady i'm like okay got it <laughs> i feel like are the are there still like nick rewind channels that like kids come across i feel like there are really young kids who love iCarly and you know what i mean yeah. like there are definitely some shows that sort of drag out like through time you know because yeah. there are these these cable channels when people you know if you're not unplugged that there's like <laughs> you didn't cut the cord or whatever that that you can you know revisit stuff that's like oh wait this is new to me what do you mean dad you used to watch this yeah. like wait hold on over the summer i've noticed on i think teen nick they replay a lot of victorious and drake and josh uh there and you I think go and i carly and and last summer i went on a whole kick where it was like i was five years old again like every day at 11 there'd be a two-hour block of like victorious episodes yeah <laughs> sit down and, i'd watch at least two or three or you know maybe the whole the whole block i don't know okay we're gonna take a break i will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at maximum fun hi it's me dave hill from before here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great That's to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. And so getting back to the filmmaking side, and I would love for you to tell yes. people, I guess I should say, I'll speak a little bit about you in the intro that I'll do after the fact, but um, I would love for you to tell people a little bit more about what you have done, like the, sh the company with your brother yes. and the short films and stuff like that. Um, let's pretend like I don't know any of it, even though I did just give away that I do know. Okay. Um, so I started my production company in 2015 with my brother, Michael. Um, you know, we work very much as a team, like kind of, you know, I think what makes us unique is everything. We're very symbiotic relationships. So we really bounce things off of one another. And, you know, I think our strengths and weaknesses really create a nice balance. Um, you know, where, where we just have this shorthand now, um, you know, where, where everything is, is really in sync. Um, and so it started in 2015. We didn't, I think initially intend to start a production company. We just loved movies and making movies and we just started doing that. Um, and so we started with our first short film called Dominion and we'd done some, you know, smaller projects, but it wasn't really like to a professional level. They were just kind of like home movies messing around, figuring out cameras, like sure. how does this work? How do you edit? How do you put something together? Um, just that kind of thing. And so 
in 2015, we wrote and directed our first short film that Michael starred in. Um, and it's a psychological thriller. It's, you know, notice the, <laughs> the themes. Um, I love it's, it. <laughs> it's a psychological thriller and it's about this, you know, this young Wall Street CEO and he gets cra- uh, framed for this crime he didn't commit. Um, you know, sort of like journeys into his head and, you know, is it in his head? Is it not? You know, it's, it's, it's very Shutter Island inception. It just kind of pulls very heavily on those films. <laughs> and so, You're like, basically, it's, <laughs> Imagine five Leo DiCaprio roles right. in the last 10 years. Right. We sort of made an amalgamation of all of them. Exactly. It's just kind of a mashup of that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we directed, we we wrote it, Michael started it. It was like a whirlwind shoot. There was We shot it over two days in LA. And one day, I think we shot for 22 hours, which <sighs> after later learning sag productions oh. that that's really not possible <laughs> to do um yeah. with crew and, and actors on yeah. a like legitimate production uh-huh. um but we learned so much and we edited it and then we kind of just you know sent it into the world to film festivals we didn't have you know an idea back then what really like a festival was we just kind of got a list of whatever the 50 top were and just kind of sent it off and hoped for the best and then you know, kind of to our surprise, we got into some really great festivals that allowed us to travel. Like we got into the Calgary Film Festival. We were able to go there, which was amazing. And then um, L.A. Shorts and Citizen Jane, um, Julian Dubuque, Orlando, um, the Cannes Short Corner. And so we we really... Yeah, way to drop it- Cannes at the very yeah. end, like <laughs> right. as an afterthought. That's extremely <laughs> humble of you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we actually did get to go because we were on a family vacation in Greece at the time, visiting our other family there. And we asked our parents, like, can we go? How serendipitous is that? It was. The dates, it just kind of worked. And and it it really, yeah, not planned. It kind of fell into place. And they said very graciously, okay, you know, you can go for two days. And we got these, you know, discount airline seats and found this hotel with this tiny tiny little room that was like in the attic i think (laughs) um it had a really slanted roof and Uh so the shower you couldn't even stand up in the shower because the roof was so slanted (laughs) very like quintessentially french yeah Um, yeah but but we loved it and and we were able to go see you know what a real festival was like and and learn and and from there we really realized okay you know we know where we want to take this company and, and what it could be and, and the projects we want to do. Um, and so we came back to LA and, you know, started putting it out there and, and working on our next project. So in between uh, Dominion and now Kepley, um, we did some commercial spots for Brandy Melville and Jay Lindbergh, which was super fun. Awesome. And then uh, we did a documentary called Ekota. Um, and that's about, it follows a, uh, nun in Kolkata, India, who is fighting human trafficking, you know, one child at a time. And um, it's actually through an organization that our mom is the CEO of, a nonprofit. And it kind of, it, we didn't intend to make a documentary for that project. It, it just kind of came up that, um, you know, they were needing to build a school, you know, at the orphanage to uh, allow the children there to go to high school. Um and so, you know, they needed to raise money for it. And, you know, it was quite a large amount. And my brother was talking with my mom and he said, you know, if you're going to raise this amount, you know, people need to be able to see the issues. You can't just do it off a PowerPoint. They need to see yeah. how it is affecting these individuals, but also like the success stories from the orphanage and, and how these young women are now successful and intelligent and educated, beautiful young women. Mm. And... um And so my brother and my mom went to India. He got a whole crew together and they shot this documentary that he brought back, I think, close to 25 hours of footage. Mm. And we had to edit down to about 35 minutes. Oh, my Um, gosh. Yeah. And that was... The editing yeah. process. That was. That's the real test, right? I mean, that's. It was. That's what I, that, that's what I am so impressed about, about your, both of your ages and just your level of patience, because, you know, many of us as, as younger people love the idea of maybe making a movie, making a film. It's yeah. gotten easier and easier because of the technology. 
but when a lot of people sit down and and realize they have to go through their footage and how precise and how long a process editing yeah. for timing is and all of those like wait did we even get that shot oh shoot you know like all of that stuff is that's where the metal rubber meets the road i don't know there's an there's an expression that's where the rubber <laughs> no, meets no. the road uh right yeah, i mean no, is that like sure. to be to complete something I mean, there's just got to be, and and I mean this as a uh, who was an you know an impatient teenager, but there's <laughs> got to be like a million hours of abandoned stuff that people yeah. were psyched to shoot and got all the way to the editing process, and then were like, oh, well maybe someday, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's it's so true. I mean, it went through. I mean, we were editing for about five months, to be honest. Sure, um, and documentaries through, have I the reputation like, for being like the yeah. hardest thing because it went through you have so to many decide what's, iterations oh, yeah and, i can't even and through so many different openings we're like how do we how do we even begin to it's yeah. such a complex issue how do we even begin to let people know and then we just went through all these different just iterations and openings and and cutting and pasting and yeah it just it took a long long time but uh, by the end, we were really, really happy with the way it came out and, and how the story came together. And it was interesting. What I didn't really, I guess, realize at the time about documentaries is, you know, I think some people think, oh, you know, it's it's a doc, it's real life. Like, it's it's different. But I'm, I, I thought and realized that it's actually a, it's a film. It has a act one, act two, act yes. three, beginning, middle, and end. And citing yes. it's, like, it has all the aspects of a script. It's just sort of disguised as this real lifey like improvised sort of thing but i'm like okay no no we have to go back and literally like write the script and post and then I edit that so script. fascinating absolutely i mean that's what's so intimidating about documentaries is yeah. like you are starting with what do we got what happened we right. followed this story but obviously it is life like when the camera's on it is real life and that's not predictable in the same way that like you're set up for day one and you right. got your storyboards. And so that's what's so intimidating and so impressive about it to me is that you're so right. It really feels like in many ways storytelling in reverse, like all the things yeah. you're taught to do first have to come after you see what you've got. What was it like for you? Because you weren't there. Right. And so for you, it was just this yeah. like influx of stimuli of information <laughs> as you're taking that all in what how what was that like for you it was really interesting um you know i i almost felt like i kind of went to india and back yeah, through the editing process i'm sure um until i actually went in 2019 <laughs> which you know the school was built and it was a big success and we went back and just filmed a smaller sort of updated documentary, some pieces, until I realized that when I actually went there, I didn't actually go to India because the heat was unimaginable. Oh. <laughs> I thought I did, but I actually didn't. Uh -huh. um, but it was really, really interesting because, you know, before we sort of got all the footage imported, of course, I'd heard so much from my brother and my mom and the DP and the crew about the experiences and what the different teachers and the people involved in the organization organization said. But then when I saw it, it was a completely different experience um, just to see what life is really like in mm. another part of the world that sure. feels so far from LA, but yet it's, you know, it's a 16 hour flight, which isn't, you know, it's long, but it's like hours away. Once you're in a plane, yeah. too, like after you hit the six hour mark in a plane, I, to me, everything's kind of the same. Yeah. Like going to France and having it take 10 hours or whatever does not feel any just like going to, <laughs> to going to New Zealand in 16 right. hours. Like you're just yeah. in the, you're like, I've never I can't think of a time I haven't been in the air. Like you <laughs> right. just get to that point. <laughs> yeah. So you're so right. And to, and to your point, I mean, above and beyond the heat. I mean, just this, like, truly, you're like, oh, I am a creature with five senses. Yeah. You know, but but also, I mean, that must have been a, a kind of a cool experience because, of course, now you've had the experience. Again, it, it almost works with the timeline of exactly what we were talking about with a documentary <laughs> of, like, working in reverse right. because now you're like, okay, now I'm projecting back and all right. the people who saw this who aren't having did not have the experience that I am having right. now how did right. we do right. to bring it as real as we could for people who yeah. couldn't be there and also just you know what you what you're seeing what you're experiencing 
I mean, you're seeing a part of the world and you're seeing a, a part of humanity and these beautiful yeah. broken hearts and mended hearts and things that, you know, most people your age who are American and certainly most people who are your age American and working in Hollywood um, maybe aren't going to feel connected to or know anything yeah. really about. And so I have to say that really speaks to you're just so grounded. And I know that's like a really oh, obnoxious you. thing to say. No, and you. like, I, you know, what am I expecting? You know, just a jerk, like not at all. But <laughs> um, but there's but I think there can be a sense from younger people when the stress and the pressure of show business, like depending on what your parents are like, if you've prioritized getting that job and you're pro you're trying to emotionally process just the intensity of the competition yeah. and the judging and the this and the that, you know, I can I just it it makes sense that someone would feel like the center of the universe was was the experience that they're having because it's intense right. as a young person. It is. But, and I can't yeah. say that I haven't at some points felt yeah, sure. like this we is the center would. of the yeah. universe. It all is revolving around this yes. audition. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But what a way to keep it in check, you know, yeah. in the most profound way, I would imagine. It sounds like your parents probably have been a part of that as well. If your mom's a CEO of an organization like that, yeah. I'm sure she was like, yes, go get this role. Go get it. Also, right. <laughs> the world will continue to turn and right. there are more right. important things. And like right. there's you have a future and all of that, like putting it into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, my um, my parents are both doctors, so they're not, you know, in the biz like at all. Yeah. My dad always wanted to be a rock and roll drummer. And so he is very musical, but just never in, in the biz, but always, you know, admired and, and loved it and very supportive. And yeah, it was always, you know, even when I was auditioning or um, you know, testing for a pilot or, you know, I was getting really close on a great film. It was always like, you know, my mom would say she would drive me and she'd just say, you know, go try and, and do your best. And if, you know, you don't book it, it's, that's okay. Even though I'm, I would be sometimes like, if I don't book it, that is the end of the world. I of have course. to book it. I mean, I was like that <laughs> but, in my late twenties when I came yeah. to Hollywood because it just, it's so hard because you do have to give yeah. everything and it's so personal and then you just have to let it go. Like, yeah, but then I realized, you know, after the fact, I look at, you know, certain projects that I, I thought that would be, that would be it, that would be the it project. Then I realized that it didn't really either do anything or, you know, the funding fell through or, you know, they went a completely different way with the role. Yeah. And, and I kind of realized later, I'm like, all right, you know, it wasn't really worth the amount of stress and pressure totally. I put on myself and that project, you know, two years after the fact. Totally. It, that's a, that is a, such a gift of a lesson. And that is something you know, we often talk about on the podcast, like how there is a sense of real life being almost just magnified in right. Hollywood where, you know, it doesn't have to be an audition. It's just that's a very like visceral kind of somehow relatable thing because everyone watches movies or everyone watches TV. So there's something relatable about it. Um, but like any of us going through a situation where we're being rejected, whether we're just applying for a job to be yeah. an accountant somewhere or we're applying to teach somewhere or, you know, th somebody else is getting voted in for X, you know, office or whatever. Right. Like we all have the experience of feeling passed over. We just do. Mm. And so, you know, there's a, there's something such, that's such a gift about having it happen so often as you get older that you just can't attach to it anymore. It's just too exhausting. It's like yeah, it at a certain point, like the numbers just were like, I, you know, it you're just is, like, yeah. I just can't care about this anymore. And there's something that's such a relief about that. Right. It is this sort of it like is. it gives you back your heart and your time and your mind to focus on things that feel, frankly, better than yeah, it's so obsessing true. off that stuff. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Like, just send the self-tape in and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Like. Absolutely. And this is an audition. I will be sending right. this. I am sending this in. This is a self-tape uh, for the JV Club, the movie. And uh, um, how much you said that you play the cello. Uh, I yes. guess that is kind of a hard instrument to just like chill at home playing the cello, uh, opposed to like the person who noodles on guitar. It's a little bit different, potentially, right? Or, or I guess so. I mean, it's, I think it's, I think it's pretty similar to guitar. I mean, I okay. I play guitar um, only at a very like intermediate kind of level. I know some people who are just really far superior at the guitar, and I think that's pretty pretty intense and difficult. I mean, I couldn't you know play crazy rock 
hits on the guitar. Yeah. Just, they just kind of strum like country tunes. That's yeah. about my guitar level. But that's a lot of um, guitar. But you're, to your point, you can have a lot of levels to something like a guitar like that is like yeah. a piano it's something that a lot of people have lying around their house like you have a piano lying right. around your house but it's less likely that you're going to be like i don't know i can play one song on the cello right. <laughs> it feels like someone taught me one song once on the cello so yeah. i can play that for you right now if you want <laughs> opposed to that's very common thing to hear on guitar and piano yeah. right no i um i always i love the cello i mean i i first started off on what violin a beautiful sounding instrument oh it it's is. like gets inside you so I fast heard once from a uh instructor that i had when i was pretty young that the cello is the range of the human voice or it's yes, the closest I to the range have of the heard human that. yes voice. yes and that's what i always that's what i fell in love with i mean i started on the violin and I just couldn't do it. It was too screechy. And, <laughs> I mean, God bless the people that play the violin, but I it was not for me. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we were, I think, in a, you know, one of those music stores. And I said to my mom, I want to play the cello. And she's like, okay, you know, let, let's just try it out. We'll just see. We'll rent, you know, a quarter size. And of course, the time it was, even the smallest size was way bigger than uh-huh. me. There's a picture um, somewhere in our house of my hand way above my head and, and my arm all the way down here oh, trying to do the bow. And, and I just loved it. Like it was, it just, it felt like it was, um, you know, vibrating emotion. Yeah. Even at that young age, yes. I, I loved it. And I wish I had more time to, you know, just play songs in my repertoire. But um Alas, I'm focused on other things <laughs> right now. It's hard. It is hard to noodle. I mean, that's, yeah, that, I, but it's good to know that you can't, because yeah. when you said you didn't do it anymore, I wondered, like, because I play guitar, but I also play bass. And that oh, wow. to me has not, like, I never noodled on bass. Like, on, yeah. if I was playing bass, I, I expected it to be that I had at least one other person playing something with me. Oh, okay. Like, I, did, I never felt inclined in the same way I did with, like, writing music on guitar. I just was like, no, I mean, I, it's a, it's a, serves a practical purpose. It does right. this for other music. And I was never like, let me just put on some music <laughs> and play bass to it. Like, I'm sure right. I could have if I was passionate about it, but yeah. so I wasn't sure if cello had that same quality, but, um, but you're right. It's, it, it is more like guitar or violin or, or, um, or piano in that it can stand alone very yeah. much so because you're playing melodies and stuff. I guess you'll have to teach me how to play the cello. That'll be your return to the, your triumphant return to the cello will be you teaching me. All right, let's do it. As I'm like, why? Why can't I get it to sound like that? Well, if you play the bass, it, it's honestly not going to be a, a hard jump for you to, to cello. But I mean, it's not like bass. It's like bass, right? I mean, well, I guess it's like school I'm scared of, of the bow. Oh, no, don't be scared of the bow. I'm Remember in School of, of Rock, bow. Jack Black's like, you know, he, the girl is the bass and he's like cello and he like flips it up the other way. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, it's the bow. I'm intimidated by the bow. And also the no, lack do- of like very, very specific frets, right? I mean, you have to like get to <laughs> yeah. know where something is by ear it's almost, kind of, right? It is. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of though like riding a bike a little bit, like mm. even though there's no kind of demarcations on the neck of where certain notes are i feel like once once you learn like just the basic notes on the four strings you like you'll never forget it yeah like you can pick it up at any time i and- gotta order a bass right now <laughs> over the internet i mean the cello um the cello. <laughs> let me ask you this do yes. you um would you almost liken it to whistling? Because I was thinking about that. I was whistling in the shower the other day, and I was like, no one ever taught me how to do this. I don't understand yeah. how I know. Because I'm also obsessed a little bit with Tuvan throat singing, and oh, yeah. I am so... Like, that seems like a thing that you really have to be taught. Whereas something like whistling, it's so... I, I just got in that space where I was like, how do I know? How do I know how big or small to make the whole... like? We understand yeah, because of the way really, like a flute works, but, but you don't yeah. when you're a kid and you just learn to whistle or you figure out how right. to whistle, there's nothing you don't you're not like, let me open my tiny hole in my right. lips one millimeter more to get a B sound or like a C yeah. sharp. But you just kind of if you know if you if you have an ear for music at all, like you sort of just know that 
instinctively. So I, I, I almost wanted to like superimpose that on the idea of the, the fretless uh, stringed I instruments. Think, I think that's, I never, it's actually really interesting about whistling. I never thought about that, but I kind of tripped yeah. myself out for a minute. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable with this. <laughs> no, I think there is something to, yeah, having an ear for music and just being able to, um, you know, instinctually kind of, once you know where things are, kind of to find it and, even for myself, when I go back to it, I'm like, oh, man, that that's a little sharp. Like, uh-huh. let, me re- let me readjust. It's been a minute. Right. right. But then the muscle memory kind of kicks in and I'm like, oh, OK, that that's where that is. That's how that's supposed to sound. Yeah. Which not dissimilar again from other things we do, like you said, like riding a bike or like, you know, co- going back to a set after COVID or yeah. going back to your job right. and having maybe these we all have these sort of like first day of school butterflies uh, when it's been a while since we've done something that we got very used to. And we yeah. kind of, you know, we go to that that child place of like, am I going to remember how to do that? Like, am I going to be able to do this? Right. You know, and then you, you do, you know, there's like there's all that stuff that's happening in your brain that it, you're not necessarily bringing to the forefront until you need to. Right. And I think that's so interesting about the industry, too, is, you know, like you said, there's um it's kind of like always a growth process and a growing process, no matter how young or old an actor or an artist is, because it's always new things. There's always a new role. There's always new emotions, new just everything on a set. And I think it one really has to be aware of it and have to be willing to grow with it, too, because, you know, has to be willing to grow as a person in, in a person's craft. Yeah. Because um, I think if not, it's, you know... It makes it really, really difficult to continue to work in the industry. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Bria, what's your reader wheelhouse? A woman on a journey, space, post-apocalyptic roads, and magical food. Mallory, what's your reader wheelhouse? Werewolves, haunted houses, weird fiction... And uh, books set in Florida for, for some reason. We're reading glasses, and we want to know what your reader wheelhouse is. We can use it to help you find more books that you love. And avoid books that you don't. So whatever you like to read about and however you like to read it. We want to help you read better. Reading glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I do, before I uh, let you go, I got to make okay. sure I've saved time for this game of okay. MASH that I oh. like to play at the end of an episode. Okay, so give me three. I just started with it. I said, give me three movies that you can jump into. We're giving you this sort of magical ability to jump in. You're not reliving the plot. It's not the same okay. thing in a loop. It's just that world around you, those characters oh, around okay. you that you can sort of be in and, and, and intermingle with as you whenever you feel like it. Okay, uh, number one, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yes, indeed. The Joe Wright one with Kira Knightley. Oh, I also great. love the novel. That's a whole other conversation. Um, great. Okay, Pride and Prejudice, uh, Social Network, David Fincher. Ah. And, uh, oh, goodness. I mean, I have to have a Chris Nolan in there, so I would just go on a whim and say Inception. I would say that, too. That's <laughs> totally the Nolan I would pick if I were picking a Nolan for sure. I guess that's my favorite of his. Um, there's just so much going on in that that is like so very much. satisfying. So it's very it's so satisfying. Uh, okay, next uh, one. Let's do three places in the world that you can have a second home, and it's almost like we can teleport you there, so you don't really have okay. to think about that. You know, nine to sixteen hour plane ride or whatever. Okay. Um, I guess number one would be London. Right. Um, two. Maybe New York. It's, I'm not a really New York person, but maybe it's, you know, like a second home. I'd go there a couple times a year. Um, and then maybe like a something wonderful in the Caribbean, something like warm and, wonderful. and beachy. Perfect. Okay, great. Uh, next category, three foods that in this uh, reality perhaps you feel are like ecologically irresponsible or perhaps you have an allergy or maybe it's oh. just like I wish I could eat, you know, a box of Krispy Kreme donuts and not get sick whenever I wanted okay. to and have zero ramifications. It can be right. as simple as that. And it could also be like 
if you'll forgive me using a very specific uh, Grecian reference because I do love Spanakopita, if it's like, oh, yes, the Spanakopita yes. at this one place, I wish I could yeah. have it whenever I wanted it. Okay. So that's kind of what this category is for. So three, okay. anywhere in that realm, like you can use whatever okay. logic you want to get there. I guess one would be a really wonderful bolognese. I'm just, yeah. I will eat that any time of the Great. year, day or night. Great. Um, a really wonderful, like a... Uh, like a like a salmon sashimi mm. would be really great, yeah. um, and then ribs. I guess maybe that's the Tennessee in me. I, I just love, love good old barbecue ribs, brisket, tri tip, anything. I'll eat it. <laughs> great ribs, ribs, ribs. Great. Okay. Uh, next one is three musicians who basically in this alternate reality they've made a soundtrack for you for your life. Oh. That's sort of like they went, they looked inside your heart, and they sort of somehow created an album that is like representative of your life oh, in some so way. Cool. And it could be a composer, it could be a singer-songwriter, okay. it could be a full band, whatever you want. Living or dead doesn't matter. Um okay, for me that would be just can all three be the same person? Or does it have to be three different I people? I mean it should be three different people. Okay, or three, okay different three different groups. people. Because um, you're gonna end up with only one of each oh, one okay. of these. It's like an eeny meeny kind of a scenario. Oh okay. So Miles Davis. Right. Um Frank Sinatra. Great. And um they're like an arcade fire. They 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 make they have some cool stuff. Absolutely. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Next category, three alternate universe careers that um we're gonna give you the chance to just dive into. Oh, that's so cool. Um something that a lot of people don't know about me is that I love the NFL, like I love football. And so it would be an NFL combine scout i that would be one that it's a total like hidden secret geek thing but Uh, it's (laughs) great i love that your version of a geek thing is is nfl football (laughs) like every red-blooded american man is like ain't no geek thing (laughs) yeah how dare you Um, (laughs) i love it so all right so it would be that uh two would be be like a like a cardiologist great and then three um like a, like a good old farmer, but not like a farmer, you know, like that just has, you know, that just grows wheat, like a farmer that has like a, you know, one of those farm to table, yes, like tomatoes yes. and peppers and yeah. like, it's like, like a modern Absolutely. farm person. I love yeah. it. Uh, I love it. Okay. Next one is let's do three places in time that you can, we're going to sort of shoot you back in like a safety bubble, but it's, it's, you can see a certain era, you could witness a certain oh, event, cool. you could see what a triceratops looked like in the flesh. Um, and or it could be like you know you could like peer in on you know like Paris in the twenties uh, three. Okay, um, one would be America in the fifties. Great. Um, two would be London or just really anywhere in the UK in the late eighteen hundreds, like eighteen eighties. Yeah. Um, and then. I guess the last one would be Hollywood in the 40s, like the golden oh, era yeah. Hollywood. I just love to see what it was like when all those MGM musicals were I being know. made. and Everybody's under so contract. Cool. It was not a great yeah. time for women, nor was it a great time for women. And everything in the past is like, you have to just push aside the like, right. let's put aside let's put aside what what why i'm lucky not to have been there (laughs) this is why you're in the safety bubble uh but i completely agree i'm so fascinated by like 20s to 40s era hollywood is just fascinating to me uh let's do three books that you can pop into and hang out with characters um pride and prejudice absolutely uh to kill a mockingbird yeah and um gone with the wind great and then final uh, category is three people. They could be characters. They could be people from history. They could be current day people who you don't know. But three people that you're like, I would love to have this person as my buddy. I'd love to add this person into my life as a friend. So it could be Jane Austen. It could be Martin Luther King. It could be anybody. It could be Zach and Cody. I guess one, right? of, one or the other. <laughs> that would that would be pretty cool. Um <laughs> Yeah, Jane Austen would be wonderful. Can it be like characters or like as it have to be no, actual it could be characters? Humans? It could definitely. Be oh, okay. Characters too. Okay, so yeah. then I'd say Lizzie Bennet for sure. Is you know, yeah. just the Pride and Prejudice theme. It's um, it's, it's so good. It's she's so such good. a wonderful character. She's so strong. And, uh, yeah, I just 
I love her. Um, okay, so Lizzie Bennet. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I did this. I always do romance, and I just left oh. it off altogether. Oh, this is okay. bonkers. Wait, let me oh, okay. let me do. Should, okay, do we'll would, would you enjoy that if I did like? Yeah, that, this is like romance. This is like it gives me more time. But to it's think. all the same rules. It could be living, <laughs> okay. dead, any age, okay. any era, character, okay. real person, up to you. So somebody that I would three. Yeah, it's like it's like romance. Your your alternate oh, universe. Okay. Some romance. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not saying it's a lifetime oh. partner, so don't feel pressure. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, why not just make it a complete Pride and Prejudice theme and just great. go Mr. Darcy number one. Great, great, great. <laughs> um, to, oh, I'm just thinking about book characters now. I mean, Rhett Butler, he'd be be really interesting. Um, and then I guess three, I don't know why this is coming into my head, um, but I guess Ethan Hunt slash Tom Cruise. Oh, great. That would be, yeah. Great, great, great. Okay, awesome. All right. Uh, give me a number between one and seven three okay i am going to do my math she said with a question mark because it's clearly not math will you lightly vamp and by the way this can all be edited out but as long as there is something for you to tell people about which we talked about a little bit before but any place you want people to be looking for you anything any opportunity to check out the film or support the cause anything like that i will be done in just a few moments Okay. Um, yeah, so people can check out our production company website at uh, harrisgrantproductions.com. Um, and then our Instagram, our socials, they're all the same handle. It's at Harris Grant Productions. Uh, Twitter is at Harris Grant Prod, P-R-O-D. And then it's the same on Facebook. Um, and you can see there our commercial work, our documentary work. Um, and then also our most recent film, Kepley. Uh, the teasers for that, which stars Elizabeth Mitchell and Aaron Stanford um, and its current festival run. And, um, you know, we'll, we post an update, you know, all of our projects and new teasers on the website. So that's uh, an Instagram. So those are the two easiest places to see uh, our work. Fantastic. Fantastic. I do have your results. Oh, OK. I want to let you know that you... I mean, we incorporated a lot of Pride and Prejudice into each one of these categories. Not each one, but like many of the categories. But also like there was pretty much always two other things that you could have ended up with. Right. For the most part, (laughs) rest assured, the universe wants you to have a lot of Pride and Prejudice in your life. Because while you can jump into the book Gone with the Wind... Mm-hmm. That I think is the only Pride and Prejudice you did not get. <laughs> okay. Because you can jump into the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. You also have a romance happening with Mr. Darcy. Oh. You fun. have a house in London. I think we could both agree. Closest thing to right. everywhere in Pride right. and Prejudice. Uh and, and this is where it gets interesting. Not only do you have a house in London and you have all this Pride and Prejudice going on, but you also have a farm. Oh. So let's assume that's your third house, I guess. Okay, your third house right? is a beautiful farm. Okay. Uh, and we didn't say where that was going to be. So it could be in the countryside of, of England. It could be, yeah. Uh, could be in Wales. Listen, I don't know, but right. l- it's going to be great. And you also, and, and then, then, then I love also the combination, the idea of like you feeding like Southern style ribs to Darcy. <laughs> It's extremely satisfying. That is very satisfying. And then also we have this sort of like twist off to the side. And something about these two things, while one is modern and one is a little bit more uh, old, it really works for me, which is that you can go back and see and experience Hollywood of the 1940s. But also amidst all of this, you have the soundtrack by Arcade Fire. And somehow, so like, your experience of traveling all these places yeah. feels very momentous. And, yeah. like, um, Arcade Fire is so good at, like, anthems. Like, there's the right. sense of, like, the wonder of everything. Yeah. Uh, and so I love all of that happening in a very modern, with very modern music. But, like, somehow it still fits to me with, with all this stuff. such an interesting film. I just, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Baz Luhrmann's Gatsby yeah, where it's this there you go. like old school film but it's this modern yeah. all these modern touches and modern music that's yeah. really interesting I love that I love that so that is your MASH uh, alternate universe 
Oh, my fun. new dear friend. This has been <laughs> such a pleasure. I've loved talking with you. Uh, you're Thank you. so fantastic. I cannot wait to see. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to like love everything you do. There's just no question in my mind. Um, oh, thank you so much. I've had the best time. I wish we it uh, it could go longer. I look at the time like, oh my gosh, it's I been know, an hour. I know. <laughs> and, like, and, and like, you know, listen, next time, hopefully we'll see each other in person because it's yes. an even more like we amazing. talked about that the film version versus the real life. Because you can't smell <laughs> yeah. me or feel how hot my, right. house, is. my house is. No, I'm just <laughs> <Right>. kidding. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. Everybody else, I'll talk to you next time on The Podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Number one, we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should move someplace Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.